Good morning, everybody. Today is Promotion Sunday, and it's for our children. And I just want to say thank you so much to all of the workers and helpers in the ministry. And I speak on behalf of the pastors, um, your, the teachers, and those that volunteer in the classrooms, because you are doing an amazing work. And I know that there are those that study and you bring the word to our children, which is so important, especially in a time like this. And even as we speak with our over our children, know that our children are going to go into the classroom. And this is the generation that's going to start raising up and they're going to start declaring the word of the Lord. They're going to start, as they are learning, even in church and learning at home, they're going to lay hands upon the sick and they're going to recover. But they're, going to, they're learning it here and know that teachers, it's a sacrifice. But when you come and you teach these children, know that as they grow as an adult, they're going to remember. They're going to remember you. They're going to remember those little lessons and the things that you've done and, and the crafts and everything else. Because I've met people when they'll say about a teacher and, and how they taught them about Jesus or when they were feeling with the Holy Spirit. So know that these little people, they're just, they're, 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 God's hand is on them. And we got to know that this generation, we need to raise them up in the word of God. Because as you know, and even in this world and what's going on and what's happening, we have to teach our children to be fearless and that they do not have a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And that they are going to declare the works of God. And even our prodigals, and I have to say this, our prodigals are going to come back. So you parents that are out there, you keep declaring it in Jesus name but even though today is I'm not gonna preach today I'm sorry anyways I'm at home <laughs> I'm at home I'm good I come here and then I just start to weep Ooh, so anyways <laughs> all right so um, the children that are promoting from bullfrog the children that are promoting from Bullfrogs are going to be over at Kickstart. So when um, service is done, you can get your children over onto on the other side. So as I call your name, please come up. And the first one is Blake Baker. The next person that's not here is Atticus Carrillo. So if you're listening online, I want you to know that you have been promoted. So our next one that's graduating is Kevin Doobie. Here he comes. All summery, ready for the lake. Just stay right there, sweetheart. And our next one is Benji Flynn. So this is our class of 2020 going into Kickstart. <laughs> awesome, awesome, thank you. Um, and just like Janice said real quick, I'm a product of teachers in this church sewing into me. I'm a walking product of people pouring out their life, pouring in the word into my life, and me ending up where I'm at now because of the foundation that was built. So um, I get to announce these kids are going into middle school. So Miss Addison Flynn, let me have you come on up here. There you are, there you are. And then Mr. Raymond Ulrich, where you at, buddy? Where you at? There you are. 
And then I have Miss Gracie Tanaga. Let me have you come on up here. There you are. Congratulations, guys. Congratulations. So these guys will no longer be over in this middle classroom. They will be in the far classroom. They will be with Becca. She does our junior youth, which is sixth grade to eighth grade. So head on over with her. And uh, yeah, we're, doing, we're getting back to worship. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, let's do this. Can 
God bless you. Thank you, worship team. So thankful for each and every one of you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Good to see everybody. Man, God is so good. We had a great time yesterday afternoon. Had a great week, actually. All week. Had a great Bible study Monday night. Had good church last week. Good Bible study with the men on Monday night and hanging out. And then uh, we had our, our life group on Thursday night. Had a great time of fellowship there. And then uh, also... Uh, uh, yesterday morning we had our men's breakfast and that was great. I think we had 25 guys come out for breakfast. That was awesome and uh, a great time together. Just really enjoyed ourselves. And then yesterday afternoon went down to the river and baptized a bunch of people. So man, it was awesome. Praise the Lord. So God's good. Amen. So hanging out and just having great fun. And uh, you'll notice now, instead of giving out bulletins, you'll see on the back of our outlines, we put all of our announcements and things that are coming up for you to be aware of so you can make yourself aware of those. One of the things on the back there is on August 2nd, we'd like to have a family night together. And so just get together, meaning that we would uh, be gathering here at the church in the fellowship hall and out in the parking lot. We'll play some cornhole or do whatever and play some games, hang out, and uh, maybe have a movie if it gets dark enough, quick enough, and uh, to do that from five to nine. We're going to just cook some hot dog, do some things, play some games, and set up, play some cards, do whatever, but just have a family time together. Amen? It just seems weird, and uh, I am not necessarily non-compliant. No, really. <laughs> but if I know what to be compliant with. Amen. But when everything changes every day, we're closed, we're open, we're not closed, we're half open, we're this, we're that. I'm like, what in the world is going on? So uh, just give me something that makes sense. And then on part of this, I'm, I'm a little bit misunderstood in the whole thing when we look at this whole area uh, based upon the death rate 
and I don't mean this in a wrong way, but this is less than a 1% death rate that's being called a pandemic. And uh, that, that's really kind of interesting if you look at it. And so I just know there's more to this than meets the eye. And there's something about it, as I told the men yesterday morning, there's something about it that just doesn't bear witness with my spirit. And when it doesn't bear witness that, you know, this is right, I, I may not know what it is, I can't explain it, it just doesn't feel right to me and my spirit. That there's something else happening behind all of this, and so with that. So I'm just choosing to be, and so I look at that, there's also over a 90% uh, non-infectious rate. Less than 1% of the people that are, are contracting this. So I just choose to feel like I'm living in the 99 I, I just instead of having one percent faith, I think I'll just have ninety-nine percent faith. This sounds like better odds to me. I'm not deep, but I could figure that out. Praise the Lord. So anyway, we're excited with. But so we're saying that with family night and everything going on. So if you're comfortable having family night with us and hanging out, and I'm just kind of like I said in Pentecostal protest mode. So uh, yesterday we just had a men's anarchy meeting, and it was awesome. Just a bunch of Holy Ghost anarchists. Amen. So we had a great time. Praise God. And, uh, but I, and then I want to announce, we do have, it'll be coming out. We'll have some information. We have our friend John George coming out. We're going to do a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night. Some of you have never been to church four times in a row. This will be a revival, a breakthrough for you. And uh, it'll be awesome. But August 23rd through the 25th, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, he's coming out, going to be ministering for us and going to be a great, great time. If you've been around Christianity very long, if you ever heard of Willie George, who, uh, have you ever heard of Gospel Bill? All right, three people that have been in our church for over 25 years. Awesome! <laughs> but years ago, there was a gentleman named Willie George who started a ministry. And uh, he used to travel and minister just to children's ministry. And then he be began a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Church on the Move, and just ministering to children. And Willie's just a great guy. Well, John George is Willie's brother, and he's a great man of God based out of Texas. So he's going to come be with us and minister. And, guys, I want to say this. It's been this year we didn't have our men's conference, but John really has an anointing in ministering to men. And helping us and ministering to, to be what we're called to be. And I want to be what God called me to be. Amen? Amen. So before we dive into the Word this morning, let me give you one more update on our building. We're super excited with where we are and uh, what's going on. We almost have it completely gutted out. We have almost all the framing done that we're going to be doing in there, except for the uh, in the new sanctuary in the back two corners back there. We'll have two nursing mom's rooms, one on each side. That's going to be very special in that area, so we still have to do some prep before that, but we're getting ready to open up all the walls. We have almost all the sheetrock off that has to come off of the existing walls that are in there. Uh, we've gotten bids on our water line, on our siding. We looked into, we're going to be reciting both sides of that building. We start looking at, man, that could cost a lot of money. So we think it is going to be maybe close to $20,000. The bid came in at $9,200. Yeah, that's what I said. I said, holy ghost, go. Amen. So uh, it just so we can put all new siding on the side there, and that we started counting how many panels will we have to place. So on one side, there were only three panels that weren't banged up. So I, we, some of you need to go back to driving school. <laughs> Every dent on our building is from somebody's car. 
and there's only three panels on that middle building that have not been hit by somebody's car. Either we have one bad driver that parks in every parking spot, or some of you need some help. Amen. Or you're not looking at your backup camera or whatever, but help us out. Praise the Lord. But this is where we are. Let me give you a quick rundown, and we're going to dive into this this morning. But in this area, uh, our water lines coming in is $43,500. The siding, about $9,500. We have some other materials to add to that. The interior sprinklers is $39,000. We got a bid on all of our plumbing fixtures, the piping and all the stuff to do the plumbing in that in there for the new bathrooms. That's $8,800 which is $100,500, then probably about another $25,000 that we just get to bless EID with. And uh, so that brings us up to right around $130,000. We have about $275,000 cash available in our building program. So by the time we get done with that, that brings us back down to about $145,000. But we still have to do the electrical, install all the plumbing, do sheetrock tape texture on the whole facility, HVAC, heating and air conditioning, do the flooring in the sanctuary, the foyer, the classrooms, and the bathrooms. Classrooms build out and then paint and decorate and do all that stuff. So as the Lord leads you to give like several hundred thousand dollars, that would be awesome. And to be a part of something. But just pray about God would have you to be a part of this and make something great happen. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles up to Genesis chapter 3. Father, I thank you this morning. Did you bring your Bibles? Amen. Are you ready, David? Let's declare it this morning. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you for your word. It is alive, it is quick, it is powerful, it is transforming, it is energizing. It is our life. We live by it. We thank you, Father, today by your spirit. You will impart your truth into our lives in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 3. And I just want to read one declaration to you. And last week we began this series, uh, just a little mini-series that we're doing here on being naked and afraid. And so this morning, I'm just going to talk to you about redeemed authority. Redeemed authority. Jesus came and redeemed us and he restored and we are able to live in redeemed authority. You have authority in Christ. Part of the Great Commission, one of the last things Jesus said to his disciples, he said, all power and authority has been given unto me. Go you therefore. Okay? You can go. You are to go in my power and my authority. So we are a commissioned people. We are a commissioned people, and we've been given power and authority through the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we're called to walk in that. And so as I said, we, last week we kind of talked about this a little bit. So look at, the, uh, look at Genesis chapter 3. And I'm a little bit ahead of myself, but I just want to get this out there. But when it comes to being naked and afraid, it all depends upon who you listen to. And Adam and Eve in the garden, they've listened to the wrong voice. They've eaten from the wrong tree. And now they are hiding naked and afraid. And this is what God asks them. Because verse uh, 10, Adam says to God, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said to Adam, who told you? And that's really what I want you to get this morning. I'm trying to ask you, who told you? Everything you believe, who's told you? And everything that you're acting upon is based upon who you've listened to. So 
when it comes to walking in God's Word, living by His Word, accepting God's Word, somebody's told you something. And my job is just to tell you what the Word of God says, and then you get to decide what you want to live by. Look at the cover of your outline. Naked and afraid means living without God's covering for our lives. How do we end up naked and afraid? Through our choices based upon who we are listening to and which tree we're choosing to eat from. There will always be a voice. You need to hear me. There will always be a voice speaking to you that is contrary to what God has already declared to you. You give your life to Christ, you're going to live for Him and, and, and follow God, and then immediately there's a voice that comes to draw you away, that comes to contradict or pull you in back in the, the wrong direction. So there's three voices in our lives, God's voice, your voice, and the devil's voice. That's really where you are. Your voice is the determining factor. Your voice, my voice is the determining factor. God comes to you and he gives you his word, and this is what he says, speak my word. Declare my word. God gives us the direction and the clarity that we need to speak. The enemy comes to us, the devil comes to us, and he says, speak what I tell you to speak. Speak fear, speak doubt, speak unbelief, speak all the things that, that produce worry, anxiety, and stress in your life. Amen? Speak contrary to everything that God has revealed. And so we choose. But you are the determining voice. Now I'm just going to interject this right here. I don't have time. If you would like, let me preach sometime for six hours. We, we could really help you. But it's really hard to get a master's degree going to college 30 minutes once a week. And you need a master's degree in the Word of God on how to live and be victorious in life. Christians want to be victorious without any application or understanding or knowledge. But, but so the enemy uh, come, and, and, and what happens here is, is that you are the voice of authority. God says, here's my word, choose to speak and live by my word. God has no access in the earth. The devil has no access in the earth except what you give them. God made man the authority in the earth. God does nothing in your life unless you come into agreement with his word. He says, this is what I will do. Choose to agree with my word. I'm not going to do anything else. The devil says, listen to what I say and choose to agree with that. And whatever you're speaking, your voice is declaring who you're listening to. Your words are telling what voice is the influence over your life. The voice of the enemy or the voice of God. Can your words are the voice of authority. What's happening in your life and my life is what's coming out of our mouths. I'm going to give you a little bit more in just a minute. But if we don't understand this, what we do then in religion is we blame everything on God. Well, you know, the Lord, if he wanted to, he could fix this. He said, man, I gave you the authority. I'm waiting for you to step up. Are you doing all right? Okay, so watch this. The goal of the devil is to, get us to, is to get you to move outside of God's covering for your life. Adam and Eve listened to the wrong voice and ate from the wrong tree and ended up naked and afraid, meaning they were no longer covered by God. <coughs> so excuse me, why is this message and truth so important today? Because knowing truth is not the same as the knowledge of good and evil. Knowing truth is not the same as the knowledge of good and evil. Real quickly, turn to Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3 gives his pedigree. He says, I, Paul, 
Born of the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, circumcised the eighth day, yada, 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 touching laws, righteous. Paul was a very highly educated man in the knowledge of his day and the religious uh, uh, protocol of his day. He was a Pharisee. Everything he did, every action he did, was based upon his knowledge and his understanding of the law. He says, as touching the law, I was blameless. Every deed I did, I was under a covering. I was given letters of authority to throw people in jail. I did everything by that. But then when I encountered Christ, When I met the Lord Jesus Christ and I came into contact with truth, I have all this knowledge. All my life was based upon all the knowledge that I had acquired. And I was doing everything out of the knowledge that I had accumulated and been put into my life. Then I encountered truth. Then I encountered the Lord Jesus Christ. And at that moment, look at verse 8. But indeed, I also count all these things that lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, whom I, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish. The original language says dung, poo. I count them all as poo. Do you understand what he's saying? So, so the value of that, that I may, look what he goes on to say. As rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, my validation. My own righteousness is the validation we give ourselves by our knowledge. We validate ourselves by what we know, our own ideas, our perception. Paul says, I don't want any of that. I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And that's God's will for us, is that everyone would be clothed with the righteousness of God. We bring nothing to the table to be qualified for. It's all by his grace. And by his grace, we're all equally clothed in righteousness. And now that we are clothed in righteousness, we are qualified to be able to speak in his authority. The the devil said, well, I know your past. I know what you did. That's cool. We did it in baptism yesterday. You know what we did? We buried some dead people. You know who came up out of the water? New people in Christ Jesus. That old man is down somewhere in the bottom of Folsom Lake somewhere. The the old man passes away. The new man is renewed in knowledge in Christ, and he's covered in the righteousness of God and the blood of Christ. That's your authority. That's a declaration of who you are, and that's what you stand in. The devil wants you to doubt that, move outside of that, and go back over and operate back under your own righteousness. Go back to the cover of your outline, if you would, with me. People are acting or reacting to everything they hear today like they're naked and afraid. Instead of being clothed with the righteousness of God, hearing his voice, and being led by his spirit. So we ended here last week. How do we know when I'm naked and afraid? This is how you know. When fear is a greater force in my life than faith. Anytime fear is a greater force in your life than faith in God, you're naked and afraid. When I have no peace and cannot rest. Christians who can't get sleep at night are naked and afraid. You're staying up. Amen. I always ask people, what what have you accomplished by staying up? Nothing. What, What did you get done? Nothing. I just laid there and tossed and turned all night. How'd that work out? Terrible. I'm totally tired. Well, by all means, do that tonight too. Keep it up. No. It doesn't accomplish anything. Why do that? You you know what God says? The Bible says that God gives his beloved sweet sleep. 
He gives us sweet sleep. I just say thank you. It doesn't take very long. I mean, I'm like, you know, you, you count sheep. I've never got past four. One, two, three, four. Why? I go to bed to go to sleep, not to do things I can't do. Are you doing all right? But if I have no peace and I cannot rest, I'm naked and afraid. When I justify my fear and actions instead of declaring his word, I'm naked and afraid. You know, I'm doing this, and I have all these reasons, all these justifications for what I'm doing. Instead of declaring the word of God, I'm living naked and afraid. And when I feel exposed in his presence, I'm naked and afraid. See, the devil is at war against God and his revealed purpose in the earth for God's highest creation, which is you and I, humanity. His highest goal is to destroy you and to keep you from knowing and fulfilling God's declared purpose in your life. He wants you to listen to his voice and to choose to live by your knowledge of good and evil over God's declared will. That's where the devil wants you living. He wants you drawing on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're born with that inbred into. That's the nature of Adam. You're born with the fallen nature that relies on the knowledge of good and evil. When you get born again, you are now supposed to be led by the Spirit. Romans 8, as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. Jesus says when the Holy Spirit comes, he will lead and guide you into all truth. He is the Spirit of truth, and he will speak and declare everything that the Father is given to me, he will declare it unto you. So he will be a voice in your life. In order for the Holy Spirit to speak to you, he has to have a voice. And that's why we pray that Paul prayed, God, give them ears to hear. Let us have ears that can hear. Amen? Amen? And then open the eyes of our understanding. Praise the Lord. So he wants you to live by that knowledge instead of God's declared word. Because he knows this removes God's covering of righteousness over our lives and leaves us naked and afraid. And he can lead us by a spirit of fear away from God's plan and purpose toward his plan of destruction. Hear me, the devil has one plan. His plan is to destroy you. Every living person on the face of this earth, the devil hates all of humanity. The moment a life takes a breath, and even before that, look at what's happening. Even the moment conception takes place, we live in a nation that has somehow justified the destroying of life in the womb. And we have all this stupid rationale that somehow that it's choice and it's this and it's freedom and it's that. No, it's a life that the devil hates, and he has found a way to destroy almost 70 million babies just in our nation. That's a plan of destruction. Yeah, but you know, I don't think it affects me. Oh, if he'll kill a baby in a womb, what makes you think he's not out to destroy your life? So by all means, I wouldn't get too serious about knowing God's word. Because you'd probably whip him with just your good thoughts. He said, Pastor, why are you so intense? Because I understand this is a fight. And, and I've been doing this going on 40 years, and I just watch too many people get whooped when they don't have to be. Amen. There, there's no reason. You don't have to put up with this stuff. Are you doing all right? We just don't have to put up with this. Amen. So think about it. He wants you to choose by what you see, not what you hear. We need to hear God's voice and live by his voice. 
not just go by everything we see around it. Because faith comes by hearing. The just shall live by faith that comes from hearing the voice of God, walking by faith and not by sight. In Mark 5.15, there's the account of Jesus delivering the man from the tombs of Gadara. And when the people come out, they find him clothed and sitting in his right mind. And that's God's will for every one of us, that you would be clothed in his righteousness and operating out of your right mind that is renewed in knowledge. You know, the Bible says this, Paul says this, we have the mind of Christ. We're told over and over to put on the mind of Christ, to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. Are you doing all right? And so how does that come? And many times in that area, even by being filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. And as you pray and you spend time in God's Word, there's an understanding that comes from here up into your mind. Your mind is renewed from here up. Your spirit isn't made new from your mind down. God working you from your spirit out of your life, up through your mind, renewing your mind, receiving the word, having that sown inside of you, and producing the life that it contains. When we are clothed and in our right mind, then our minds have been renewed to the word of God and his righteousness as the covering for our lives, and we speak his word with the authority that has been given to us. As a believer, you're going to need to learn how to speak the word of God and speak it with authority. Amen. That's what we're talking about. Redeemed authority. You know, I got a kick out of it yesterday as we were walking down to, to the, uh, the, the, the river for the baptism. The, this, this guy stood up and he goes, what's this procession going on? Because all the guys had their, I've decided, t-shirts on. The guy goes, what's, what's this procession going on? And he's got a, his beer in one hand walking down there. A big old tall guy, man. That's cool. And I go, oh, man. We're just going down to get baptized. Amen. All these people love the Lord. They're getting baptized. You want to get saved and come with us? Amen. Why not? Maybe God would just move on. And he goes, no, 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 I'm too far gone. I said, no, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. <laughs> Amen. And he walked in. He came up next to me. I put my hand up. Hey, what's your name? He says, that doesn't matter. I said, my name's John. He goes, my, my name is Christopher, uh, Christopher Saint, or what, uh, uh, Christopher Sean. Christopher Sean. His middle name was Sean. Christopher Sean. He goes, I'm named after a saint. I said, praise the Lord. You want to get saved anyway? Amen. But look, so, so, but watch, watch, watch. So most people, somebody starts talking, we go, oh, that guy's yelling at us. Come on. No, you, you need to say something. You need to have boldness. You need to know you have authority. You don't have to be intimidated by the devil. Are you listening to me? Just have confidence in God and who you are in Christ and reach out. And just like the Spirit of God said in those words this morning, God has called you to be salt and to be light. The devil wants you hiding. God wants you shining and preserving and declaring. But you have to know that you have redeemed authority. And you don't have to live naked and afraid. And you can speak the word of God with boldness and authority. See, God asks the most important question. He asks, who told you? Let me ask you this morning. Who told you you can't be who God has declared you can be in Christ? Who told you? Who told you you can't walk in the power, in the authority of the Holy Spirit? Who told you you can't be healed, set free, and delivered from all the deceitful works of the devil in your life? My question to you is, who told you? I listen to too many questions. Well, you know I would do that, but. And right after the but comes a lie that they believe that somebody told you. Well, you know, I, I, I just don't think I, that's not me. I'm not called to that. We have all these excuses of why we can't be who God has declared we are. 
and who we are in Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are born again. His Spirit lives on the inside of you. If you've been baptized with the Holy Ghost, you are anointed with power. You're equipped to do signs, wonders, and miracles. I know the Bible says that, but who told you but? Who told you but? I I think I am going to do it. I'm going to get a t-shirt that says, does my fear make my butt look too big? (laughs) Because when I'm living by fear, that's what I'm doing. the, the, The moment I have fear and I feel naked and afraid and under authority, I have a but. I have a reason why. I can't be who God has called me to be. I can't walk in that authority. I can't be. Well, I would witness, but I just don't know enough scripture. God didn't ask you to quote scripture. He asked you to tell your story. The man at the tombs of Gadara, he didn't say, go preach and go quote all the scriptures to everybody. He just, go tell somebody what great things God has done for you. Just tell somebody what he's done in your life. Go with me to uh, first. Uh, yeah, go with me. <laughs> Revelation chapter 12. Book of Revelation, the 12th chapter. Who told you? Who told you? Paul said it like this. I can what? All right, some of you should know that a little bit better than that. Paul said, I can. Now just think about what you just said. I can do all things. Through Christ. Nothing about you. Has nothing to do with you. You don't bring anything to the table. Even ministry and doing that. Everything God asks you to do, He equips you with Himself to do it. God fills you with who He is so He can reveal Himself through you in the earth. And everything He asks us to do, it's by Him working through you. So Paul said, I just realized, I can do all things Through Christ who strengthens me. And when people say, well, I can't, you just denied. You just declared you are naked and afraid. Because you're not believing what God has declared over your life. Somebody has told you something else. Somebody has told you you're not qualified. The devil just keeps reminding you of your path. He brings up your failure. And you quit reminding him that that person is dead. People say, well, Pastor, what what kind of books do you read? I read books like this by A.W. Tozer. I talk back to the devil. This has become our problem. We talk back to God and agree with the devil. It's on the cover. He 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 says, I remind you, devil, that everything good, forgiveness, and cleansing, and blessing I have freely received in Christ. I remind you, devil, every now and then you need to remind the devil who you are in Christ. I'm born again. I renewed. I'm filled with the Spirit. My mind is real. I have the mind of Christ. I think on the things of God. I'm led by the Spirit. I walk in the light of His Word. I mean, just begin declaring the Word of God over your life. Yeah, but people will think I'm a fanatic. They already think you're crazy. Why not just be a crazy fanatic? 
Let, let, let me put you like this. When you're concerned about people's opinions of you, you're naked and afraid. When you're afraid to obey God because of what people will think about you, you're living naked and afraid. You're in fear of their opinion. Fear of their perception of you has you made you impotent in your walk with God. Amen. Revelation 12 and verse 10. Watch this. Beginning, let's begin in verse 9. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan. Watch this. Who deceives the whole world. The devil is a deceiver. Jesus said this, he is the father of lies. There is no truth in him. So let's bring it over there. If he is the God of this world, then the mindset of this world is a lie. When it said, don't be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the world there means the thought and, 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 and the, the, the mental outlook of this world in our day. Who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven. Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God. And the power of, our, of his Christ have come. What? For the accuser of the brethren. The accuser of the brethren. Who accused them before God day and night. Has been cast down. Verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. Okay. Meaning that they were willing to stand. Even if it meant losing their life. They were willing to stand for the gospel. Amen. And for the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not to compromise. Not to give in. But to stand. You can't stand if you're naked and afraid. But let me ask you this. I asked them in yesterday. In. In. Uh, uh, the men's breakfast. How does the devil accuse you? How does he accuse you? What's his accusation against you? How does he accuse you before God? No. Let me put you like that. God is only accountable to one thing. What is God accountable to? His word. How is the devil going to accuse you? With the word of God. This is what the devil said. Oh, they say they're a Christian. They say they believe in you. But they're not doing your word. And your word says that this is how they're And your word says that if they do this or they don't do that, then you have to do it. So he accuses us with the word. He brings us into accountability to the word. And he holds God accountable to his word. Which is why God gave Paul the revelation in Galatians chapter 6. And verse 7 says, don't be deceived. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So when I'm sowing my choices and my action, I'm giving the enemy. I'm choosing whether I'm giving the devil ammunition to accuse me before God. Now, see, when I preach like this, people get uncomfortable because it makes us responsible. Well, Pastor, you're messing me up. I've been able to blame God for all this bad stuff going on in my life. Now you're making me completely responsible for my life. Absolutely. Because you're the authority of your life in the earth. You're the authority. And you determine what you're going to say. Now, let me ask you this. What is the word of your testimony? Your testimony is not just, many of you heard my testimony. I was a drug addict at 19, That's my past. That's my past. That, that's a record. That's what I was. That's not my testimony. This is my testimony. 
My testimony is who I am in Christ. I don't overcome, I'm not going to overcome the devil. And, and when Tim, well, I was a drug addict when I was 19. I was this, I was that, blah. You don't overcome him telling him your past. You overcome him declaring your word. My testimony is who I am in Christ. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. I've been born again. My God came into this world in his son, Jesus Christ. And I've been reconciled to the Father. I've received the spirit of adoption. And I cry, Abba, Father. I have a heavenly Father in heaven. I'm a child of the King. I'm anointed. And you begin to speak and declare the word of God. That's your testimony, is who you are in Christ. Well, Pastor, that's that radical stuff. No, that's that overcoming stuff. I'll give you. These are 12 lessons that, uh, that Tozier put together. 12 messages just around talking back to the devil. I want you to just hear this. He said, in other cases, Christians have been sidetracked and rendered useless by their acceptance of a state of chronic discouragement. As a result, they have come to a place of of contended rationalization that their condition is normal for all Christians. These These are people who are believers, but they are not believers for themselves. They say they believe in this progressive, victorious Christian life, but that is for others, not for themselves. They have been to every altar, been to all the Bible conferences, but the blessings are for someone else. Now that attitude on part of the believer is neither modesty nor meekness. It is discouragement resulting from unbelief. It is rather like those who have been sick so long that they no longer believe that they can get well. They have lived with the illness so long that it has become a pet and they don't want to lose it because they would no longer have a subject for their conversations. You might not want to buy this book. (laughs) They would say that they want to get well, but in fact they do not. Jesus is still saying, as he said to the man lying by the gate of the pool, would you be made well and be made whole? Jesus made that man whole and raised him up because he wanted to be healed and delivered. If Jesus had found him, uh, that, that which he had found him in the same way he finds us and so many Christians today, a chronic state of discouragement, he would have passed him by. The third reason why many make no pro- progress with God is the fact that they have seen fit to join the cult of respectability. Yeah, I could just read this and preach real good this morning. <laughs> Amen. But in that, we have to decide, I'm not going to, it comes back to who told you. Look, the woman with the issue of blood had been sick for 12 years. She heard about Jesus, and she began to say and kept saying. Now listen, the Bible says she had been to every doctor and got no answer was only getting worse, and she had spent all her money on doctors. That describes a lot of people today. Just overrun by the bill and the stress of physical disease, but yet the Bible tells us that Jesus is our healer. That by his stripes we were past tense healed. See, there has to come something on the inside of you. Say, Pastor, what are you saying? There has to come something up on the inside of you where you become dissatisfied with being satisfied. 
I'm not satisfied just having nominal Christianity. I'm not satisfied with just a good little Christian life. No, I want to live the life that Jesus died for me to live. I want to live to the praise of his glory. I actually want to do and live what we sing about. We love those songs that declare all the, all the pomp and the circumstance and the glory of God. We just got to learn how to turn it into shoe leather. Man, I'm preaching really good this morning. I'm going to buy this CD myself. Amen. Let me close with this this morning. Let me just, in fact, I was going to get you this. And I'm not going to get you this, but I, I will. That's right. I'm going to do this. Go to Proverbs chapter 18, and while you're turning there, I'm going to give you this illustration, because next week we'll pick up here. You need a God that's bigger than words. This is the word of God. It declares God. But this is your problem. You've made this a container for God instead of a declaration of who he is. Words are the means of expression which God has chose to reveal himself to us. But if God can be bound by a word, then he's no longer infinite. John 6, 63, Jesus said, The words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. And the only kind of life that God has to give is eternal life. And the word of God is eternal. So when you speak the word, you're speaking eternal things, not things with ends or boundaries. Because you and I live in this parenthetical space called time that has a beginning and a end, but we are connected to the God who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who has no beginning and who has no end, who is eternal. And God's word is an eternal word. But what we do, we get concepts about God, and we get a good religious thought, and then we put God in our religious box. To keep him safe. But the only person in the box is me. The only thing I put in the box is me and my faith. Because according to me, God can do nothing outside of my faith. Proverbs chapter 18. God's voice, the devil's voice, your voice. Your voice is the deciding factor in everything in your life. The devil wants you to speak and give him authority in the earth. God wants you to speak and give him authority in the earth. (laughs) Do you know what this is? This is the record of what God has spoken through man into the earth. Listen to what Jesus said. These words I have spoken to you while yet being with you. Because I have to speak them into the earth so they can come to pass in the earth. What God asks you to do is declare his word in the earth so it will come to pass. Do you know everything we're seeing to come to pass? Is what God spoke to men to speak into the earth. Speak and declare declare this into the earth. I was thinking, when these guys were prophesying, who was around them? And all those people are gone. But yet what they said into the earth is coming to pass. 
I'll give you this example. Larry and I and, and, and Chris, we went back to, to Washington, D.C. to a Kufi conference, Christians United for Israel. We're sitting at a dinner table. This gentleman comes over and sits down next to me. His name is Daniel. He's from the, from, from the region of Samaria, and he's an ambassador there. He sits down next to me. We start talking. He starts telling me about how they're, 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 they're resettling the region of Samaria there, and God's bringing the Jews back, and all these things that are going on, that they went up on top of the hill there. They're trying to figure out what kind of agriculture to do and all that. And then they said their rabbi went and found in, in, in Jeremiah, they found where the priest said that, that they will replant the hills of Samaria, the vineyards on Samaria, and they will drink from its wine. And I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. So your rabbi went back and took a 675-year-old, you guys are doing this based on a 675-year-old prophecy, and you're seeing that prophecy come to pass. He said, yes, we planted our vineyards, and we found out that on the hills of Samaria is a microclimate that, that is specifically conducive to growing some of the sweetest and the best grape in, that, in, in all the world. And so we're living in this microclimate that is, that is adapted and established to grow a vineyard there. So I said, oh, you're, you're acting on a word. So you're telling me God is fulfilling a word that is 675 years old. He goes, yeah. So it just means that God's word is alive. Even though it was spoken thousands and thousands of years ago, the word of God is a living word. You need to get that into your heart. You have been born again by a living word. You have been born again not by any deeds you've done, but by an incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. It's an eternal word. It's alive. It's on the inside of you. And we're to live by that. And we're to have the boldness and the courage to declare it. Proverbs 18, verse 22 and 23, or 21 and 22. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. He who, uh, uh, excuse me, verse 20. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, and from the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Amen. Amen. So your, your life, my life, is satisfied and is determined by what comes out of our mouth. That's it. The devil knows that. He wants you to agree with him. God always asks us to speak and to agree with him. There's times that I preach and I preach over the earth and preach a prophetic message. And, I, and part of this message I feel the same way. Sometimes, I, well, that's just for this congregation. Nothing I say is just for this congregation. There's times when the anointing of God, God just wants something set into the earth. Now, I'll, I'll even be bold enough to tell you, it doesn't matter where anybody in here even receives it. Because God said, I, I, what God declares isn't based upon people's response. It's based upon somebody declaring it into the earth. The nation of Israel didn't believe anything that the prophets told them. But it came to pass exactly. God sent prophets telling them that, that, that captivity is coming. Captivity. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. It ain't coming. da 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 Even to the place where the prophets would come. And, and Jeremiah, they go, oh, come talk to the king. Everybody's saying, peace, peace, peace. Okay, peace, peace, peace. No, tell me the truth. Okay, judgment. <laughs> Amen? But they wouldn't hear it, and God continually tried to warn people before it came, and it came to pass exactly like it was said. Say, Pastor, what are you trying to say? The devil wants you living naked and afraid because he knows you've been given restored authority. You've been given redeemed authority. He wants you believing. My question to you is, who told you? So the worship team will come back. Who told you? Go backwards in your Bible, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 12. While the worship team's coming, go to Proverbs chapter 12. 
Look at verse 14. Verse 14 says, A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. And the recompense of a man's hand will be rendered to him. Verse 17. He who speaks truth declares righteous, but a false witness deceit. There's one who speaks like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. Truth in the lips, the truthful lips shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Then turn back again to chapter 10 and verse 20 and 21. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for a lack of wisdom. Righteousness. I was hoping to get to more on God being bigger than words, and we'll pick up there next week. And there are times, and, and I'm kind of like this. It's interesting. Our kids are growing up in a generation and in a culture society that's been drifting away from God. Those of you that are my age in our 60s, we grew up going to church three to five times a week. Do you know what was healthy back then? The home. The family. Families were strong back then. What's happening now, church has been reduced to one service a week. And we have a time frame that we want to give to God. As a, I'm just talking generally as a whole in our culture. We have a time frame. I keep trying to do it. I, keep, I, I really keep trying to preach shorter messages. But then it's just not God. And I keep trying to figure out, God, how can, what, what can I, I'm, I'm praying that all this week, God, how can I declare your word? Sometimes you wonder why I, I, I say what I say, because the only answer we have is God's word. But we used to go to church Sunday morning, and then we'd come back on Sunday night, and then we'd have prayer service through the week. We'd be back on Wednesday night for Bible study. We'd have other groups and women's groups and men's groups and stuff, and we stayed connected. We lived our life from God's house outward. Now we live our lives from our houses and try to find time to put God somewhere in our lives. And usually our schedules are too busy to have time for God. So every now and then we make it where we can squeeze in a little God time. And I'm not saying anything to make people... That's our culture today. So we have a generation, our kids are growing up, not knowing what it's like to live from God's house outward. Amen. Even in coming, like people today, people are too busy to serve, to give, to be involved, to serve. Churches, every church, not just us, plead for people to be involved in somebody else's life. Just be involved, helping somebody, minister to somebody else. Give some time to help, to children, to whatever it may be. Give and serve. It doesn't take, there's no degree to smile. Take a hand, welcome somebody, just, just but to connect. But I'd have to come to church 15 minutes early. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, now wait, wait. What's pulling us away from God instead of drawing us into His presence? Amen. 
I'm, I'm, I'm meddling with everybody. I'll just keep on. I turned 67 this year. I've been doing this for 40 years. I should just say I'm done. I've been serving God long enough. I've done enough. No, I'm in my prime. Amen. Bless God. Joe Biden's 77, running for president. Amen. I got three times as many brains as he does. I know where I'm at today. Amen. I, I got 10 more great. Amen. If I go by him, I got 10 years. By the time I get there, 87 will be looking good to me. Understand what I'm saying? But you know what we do today? Well, I, I served in kids' ministry. I did that. I put in my time. I've already done that. I've already been there. I got the bud, the bat, and the, the whatever. No. Something in that. There has to be something that causes you to press in. This is what I don't like about this situation that we're in today. People are being told to pull back, to withdraw. And something about God in me is telling them, don't pull back. But you're going to have to be able to speak the word and not be naked and afraid in this season and declare God's truth. Stand with me this morning. I just want you to bow your heads for just a moment. And I shared something yesterday with the men. And, and then I read that one line in there from Tozier about the cult of respectability. Wanting to appear right in everybody's eyes more than in God's. And when I hear a message and I'm being challenged and I'm in church, the devil wants you to do anything but respond to what the Holy Spirit's doing and speaking in your life. He wants you to believe that doing nothing is the same as doing something, as long as you just agree. Paul said this in Romans 12. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. My personal translation of that is that I live a life of sacrifice towards God. I live a life of continually giving myself to God in sacrifice and service to Him and honoring Him, responding to Him, being yielded to Him. That's where I live. I live in that posture, with that heart, with that attitude. But the devil said, don't live there. Just get a place where you feel you're good. Put God in your box of your understanding, and it'll keep you there, and you'll be safe there, and you won't go out beyond the boundaries of that. But when we're concerned about what people see or perceive in us, what they think of us, then the enemy's able to draw us off to be naked and afraid. I'm afraid of people's perception of me instead of hungering for God's presence in my life, even to a greater measure. So I just want to encourage you as we move forward in this season, if God's speaking to you, don't be afraid to move towards God, to answer an altar call, to break out, just to keep pressing into God for what He has for your life in this season. But if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, 
If you need to make a commitment of your life in any area, if you want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, you're hungry for God, you have a need in your life, and you want to press into Him in any way, just before they lead us in worship, I'm going to open this altar up to you to come, and we want to pray with you. If you just want to say, God, I'm just breaking out. I refuse. I'm going to take a moment just to press into your presence. Come and kneel and pray and seek you. God, I'm hungry. I don't want to be intimidated by the devil. I'm going to take that title, that book, and talk back to the devil. I'm not going to listen to his lies. I'm going to declare your truth over my life. Sometimes there has to be a step to that. I take a step and I just say yes. And that's what the altar gives us, that opportunity. So if you'd like to move towards God, I'm just going to wait for a moment. If anybody comes, we'll pray with you. Hallelujah. Go ahead, guys.